All right, and we're back with the Lindroth Hockey Podcast, episode 35. We have a little bit of a bonus episode for you today. We are in partnership with the Black and Gold Hockey Productions, LLC. Dad, how you doing today? I'm doing well, and we have Dave Capiano. Dave, how are you doing? I'm doing good. Doing good. A little uh, a little sad that the series came to an end and, and – um, you know, not going seven games. I think that would have been exciting, but overall it's kind of what I expected. Right. Well, yeah. That's dominant performance. Yeah. I mean, I, you know, I think that, you know, that last series is uh, a series of which teams not banged up. And I think that I got to believe that Kucherov was really banged up for that last series. And I think it hurt Tampa big time. And I think, really what stole the show was obviously Tampa's goaltender in which, you know, he's arguably been the best player in the game the last few years. Dave, let me just uh, start this with, uh, I got to give you some public recognition. You called Tampa would take it all, all the way back in round one. And uh, not that I doubted you at all, but uh, I do got to say you called it. Yeah, well, I wish I would have made some made some wagering on that when I did predict that and just bet them every game and bet them every series, but I didn't do that. Um, I just I, I felt that that Tampa had obviously the most depth, and when I mean depth, I mean guys that that stepped up when the playoffs were on the line. If you look at Gordy and you look at Coleman and you look at the the, the guys that usually win Stanley cups for teams. I mean, let's face it going into series like that. Usually the first couple lines negate each other and that's exactly what happened. And I, you know, but I give Montreal so much credit. I, I think Montreal was a much better team than losing four to one. I think if the goaltending that Tampa had, I mean, but this part of the team, if that goaltending wasn't the goaltending that they had, and, and to me, the best player in the game, I think that, you know, going into that fifth game was a 2-2 series at best. Right. And and so did you uh, see um, the series going any more than five, six games? Because, I mean, you know, Tampa is just so dominant. Their power play, I mean, their defense, and obviously like you were just talking about goaltending. But did you really, really think that Montreal had a bit more of a chance or was this kind of like a pretty lopsided Stanley Cup final that a lot of people are saying? I didn't see it that way. I mean, if you look at what Montreal did, I mean, they won what they came back and won three straight against, against um, Toronto. They beat Winnipeg four straight. I mean, look at what they did. Um, and, and I don't care who you're playing against. I mean, they were, they were rolling going into that last series and that, Momentum was huge, and I think the goaltending was the difference in that series only because I feel that Kucherov probably had broken ribs because Kucherov made that team go, and he had 30-something points, I think, in the finals, which, you know, I think only Mario and Gretzky did, you know, two or the players that, you know, the best players ever to live did. So I think Kucherov's injury was huge for Tampa, and I I didn't want to see it come that way because – I actually thought that if, if Kucherov didn't play, that Montreal could win that series. So that's how much of a factor I feel Kucherov is to tamper, um, especially on the power play. But it came down to goaltending and defense, as as we've seen. 
So Dave, let's talk a little bit about uh, uh, goaltending. And uh, I mean, you know, he, the goaltenders are great, but you know, I saw a picture of him today shaking hands with with Price, and I mean, he's a much bigger guy, but it looks like it, uh, he's wearing a lot of equipment, not taking away of his ability, but he kind of reminded me of uh, your old high school teammate, Garth Snow, where he used to have these huge pads. It, 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 is that kind of a, an advantage or a disadvantage for a goaltender? I guess you could say it either way. I mean, I guess whatever they feel comfortable having. I did hear something about he did have equipment that was too big. Is that what was going on after the uh, the finals? Yeah, well, it just seemed, it just seemed like there's some pictures of him and, and Price, and uh, I mean he's like twice the size. Well, you you can't. I mean, his athletic ability is is to me. You know, when, when you're you're playing goalie, I mean, and you're tracking the puck and in the playoffs. I mean, a lot of the stops that he made coming from the point, And let's face it, that's what that's where all the goals are scored in the, in the, in the finals. A lot of them were just those tip deflections coming in and he, he just made every timely save. I mean, I remember talking to my brother so many times and him using the expression timely saves. We just need timely saves. And I think that's what Tampa's goalie gave them night in and night out. And now Dave, I do want to talk about the obvious elephant in the room because this is, the obvious hot topic on Twitter and anywhere that you look, I mean, this is what people are discussing is that Tampa's over 18 million over the cap. Um, in my opinion, I think that it was a very smart move because it's legal, obviously, because the salary cap doesn't count in the playoffs, but just what is your personal opinions on that or to people saying, Oh, Tampa cheated. Well, is that all the Montreal fans? Probably. I mean, I'm not a big Montreal <laughs> fan. Probably so. some faulty Boston fans too, I'm sure. <laughs> yeah, maybe. But um, let's face it. I mean, the rule's a rule. I mean, they didn't break the rules, so I don't see anything wrong with that. Um, if you're not cheating, you're not trying. Isn't that what they say? I mean, look at you look at what Weber did to Kucherov the first game, slashing him behind the legs. You look at what Mayfield did to Kucherov, probably breaking some ribs. Um, I'd much rather, you know, you know, and I think, you know, I don't know. I just, I was such not a big fan of the way the refs called the games in the playoffs. I mean, you got your best plays in the world. I mean, can you imagine if Gretzky or Mario in their day took those hits um, and, and nothing was done about it. And, and that's, you know, one of the reasons why Mario his career was cut so short too, was the hooking and holding and all the stuff that went on to, to against him. Um, I'm just not a big fan of the playoffs, the way they call them and the way they let them play. I think if you're going to play one way the whole year, the playoffs shouldn't be any different. And on, on the same side of it, I think that the, the league wants more, the league wants more scoring yet you dump a puck in, you got to go. Now you got to go around four people to try to, to try to create a four check. And I think that's, um, that was one of the reasons why the league a few years back, made that put that rule in and I, they for some reason they just ignore that rule now when you chip a puck in it's not like you can just go get it you have to skate around a guy and by the time you get there their other defense has already got there or the goaltenders playing the puck so you're you're negating forechecking and it's negating scoring Dave you talked about you know staying healthy it's a you know battle of, of attrition in the playoffs and Tampa certainly stayed uh 
pretty healthy, if I can remember. Um, and when I'm looking at after game, you know, interviews of, of Montreal, they were beat up. I mean, beat up Gallagher, Perry. These guys look like they actually came from a, you know, a gang fight somewhere. Mm-hmm. And Tampa just seems to once again can hit, play hard, and kind of intimidate, you know, have throw the uh, other team off of their game. What's your take on the physicality of Tampa? Yeah, I mean, what I've seen, I thought it was a pretty pretty mixed. I thought that Weber really intimidated a lot of people in the playoffs. Um, I think he he intimidated a lot of the Tampa forwards. I wouldn't say intimidated. I'm saying he was physical on all those guys. I think, I think you had two, you know, two teams that deserve to be there. Um, you know, a lot of people were saying, well, Montreal had, you know, 59 points in the regular season. They shouldn't be there. I mean, they earned their, <clears throat> it's not like you can just get there winning one round. I mean, they earned their spot there. And, and I, <clears throat> like I said, if it wasn't for one, for the goalie, um, Vasilevsky, I think that that series is a different series, but, you know, Hedman, again, we haven't talked about Hedman. And I mean, he's the best defenseman in the National Hockey League. He has nothing he can't do. I'm sure he logged 27, 28 minutes a game. Um, and, and he was just tremendous. And I was so impressed with McDonough. Um, all their whole, their whole decor, their whole decor seemed like they could play physical. All they could play offense. They could play defense. Um, you know, they... You know, but I also think Tampa got some breaks. I mean, you look at the Caulfield opportunities. They hit the crossbar a couple times, hit the post a couple times. Um, you know, those breaks went Tampa's way. Yeah, and so what are some notes or some things that other teams can start to look at as, you know, teams like Tampa and the Capitals? I mean, those teams, you know, winning the Cup these past few recent years because you look at their third and fourth line, um, even the Islanders, who I thought um, had as equal of a chance to make it the Stanley Cup Finals, you know, that fourth line of Clutterbuck, Martin, and Sezikis, you know, those are some lines, those bottom six guys that a lot of teams, especially the Bruins, are missing. Right. Um, you know, and you look at the, the, the times the Bruins did go to the, the Cup Finals, that fourth line was, was very um, indicative of, of that team. You know, even when Joe Thornton played, I mean, there was – you know, so I think the Bruins, you know, Don Sweeney knows what he has to do. It's just not easy. You know, people think it's easy to get there. It's not easy to get there. Um, it's, it's, you need to catch a couple breaks. I mean, the, the Pittsburgh Penguins, you know, back in the, what, 80, whatever the draft was that Mario was there. I mean, if Mario's the following year and they don't get him, what's that franchise? Uh, Crosby's there. Ovechkin's there. You know, teams get a little fortunate with their draft picks and with, when some of these kids come available. So I think Tampa obviously drafted great. I think obviously Tampa's scouting, you know, department probably has a, a great scouting department and, and they put the right guys together. I mean, and, and obviously Lou Lamarillo has done that in, in New York. I, you know, I wish my brother Jack had the opportunity to coach when with, uh, you know, with the, with, you know, Barzell and, you know, some of these kids that they had got later on. So, you know, my brother, Jack put that line together, that Sezikis line together. And, and, you know, we had multiple conversations about how, how, how much he thought of those, those three guys. 
Dave, it seems like watching the, the, the finals, I thought both teams did a great job with this neutral zone trap. Um, you know, where they got four guys on, on the blue line. And, and, I, and I thought Montreal did fine as well. But Tampa seems to be the master of, you know, stopping the break-ins. I mean, how as, as, you know, as a player, as a coach, how are you going to combat this neutral zone trap or whatever you want to call it? You know what I'm talking about, I think. Well, it, and that goes back to my point on, you know, chipping pucks in and being able to create a forecheck when, you know, those guys are holding you up all night. And I think that's a rule that has to be looked at. Um, no one talks about it. Um, but it's, it's really detrimental to, you know, us seeing one nothing hockey games because you're trapping in the neutral zone, then you're chipping it in, and to create any type of forecheck, you're getting held up. The LED goes back, or the goalie goes back, and then it goes the other way. And so I think that's a big key of it. And the other thing, too, is it just seemed like Tampa has so every guy in that team just maybe one step ahead of Montreal when it came to Montreal seemed like they were getting a break or they were going to have a two-on-one or going to have a three-on-two. And all of a sudden, that Tampa guy was, you know, had the back pressure on him, lifted his stick just in time. I don't know if you noticed that, but I noticed that several times throughout the series. And so when we're now looking at the offseason for teams, Dave, what what are some teams that you think are going to have – a really big offseason, kind of like what Montreal just did, you know, acquiring Josh Anderson, um, getting all these other guys and on the team. Um, what, what, do you do you predict any teams are going to start blowing teams out the water this year? I know some people are talking about Ottawa Senators with their youth, even the New York Rangers. Do you have any predictions? Well, obviously my brother's in Ottawa, and I think they have a great young team. Um, but it's funny, it doesn't always translate. I mean, they, Ottawa went on a great run the last – you know, 15 games, but that doesn't always translate into the next year, the next year, the next year. Uh, as far as the Rangers go, obviously, you know, David Quinn, who's, uh, you know, I, who I grew up with, who I feel didn't get a fair opportunity in New York, but you know, that's the way it goes. And they have a great team. Uh, they have a great nucleus. I don't think they're really a young team. They have some young talent that they've drafted the last couple of years where they might go out and try to get a Jack Eichel. Um, I think they're one of the teams that possibly could do that. And um, I think the, the Rangers owner, you know, thinks he can make a run next year to the Stanley Cup, which is possible with that nucleus if you get the goaltending. But it's just hard to tell. I mean, with the whole COVID situation, um, you know, it's tough to see that coaching change made so early there uh, with, with what you had to deal with with COVID. Uh, the other, I mean, the other team you look at is the, is Colorado, right? I mean, Colorado, I thought, you know, I think they just have to add maybe one more defensive defenseman. And I think that, you know, Cadre has to just stay and play hockey. You know, it's a shame. I think he cost them the opportunity to get to, you know, maybe an abs Tampa finals. So, Dave, uh, more of a kind of an offbeat kind of personal question. So if the listeners don't know, and correct me if I'm wrong, um, you know, you played for Tampa uh, their inaugural season, correct? Yes, first year period I was there, yep, yep. So, I mean, and Andrew and I, I mean, we lived in Tampa um, up until 2012 when we moved out here to Tulsa, Oklahoma. So, um, I mean, I'm, I've, I've been a Tampa fan when I was there, 
But uh, when you started there, it was, you know, it's now a sort of a hockey town. But when you started, it was pretty rough, was it? I mean, you didn't even play in Tampa. You had to play in St. Petersburg, if I remember. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's you know, it's almost like when San Jose started, the same type of thing went on um, where they were in the barn there. And, you know, it's, it, it's kind of odd because you look at what comes about now. I mean, you look at like Seattle and, in Las Vegas, I mean, they're, they're hitting the ground running with these beautiful facilities and, um, but you know, winning changes a lot of things. I mean, what happens if you don't win in Tampa, does it become a hockey town? I don't know. I mean, you know, you know how that goes. Um, you know, I've been a fan of the, the Patriots for years and, you know, years when you could have walked into the stadium, Gillette stadium, probably paying 10 bucks a ticket, you know? So, all of a sudden they're winning Super Bowls, you know, so winning changes everything as far as a fan base. I'm, you know, if you win, they will come. So um, Tampa's won. And so David, I did want to ask this. So uh, with the off season coming up, obviously we're kind of like a Bruins based podcast. Most of our listeners know that by now, especially because of our parent company, but what are the Bruins really, really need to do um, to improve and give themselves a, you know, a chance at the cup again, because let's be real. I mean, the, the core that won the cup in 2011 um, is diminishing quickly. I mean, we could not yeah. even have creatures just upcoming season. And I mean, what, what are just some of your thoughts just to make the team better? Well, I mean, let's face it. I mean, next year might be the, that one final push year, right? Um, Bergeron, you know, he's getting older and, and Marshawn's getting older and Krejci might not be back. So I think it's a very tough situation, but I, I know the Bruins are, they're going to, they're going to hang in there. I think another year before they start maybe going into that change year. Um, you know, I, I, I like the kid Studnicker um, went to school with his father in Maine Um not why I like him, but I think he's got a lot of talent. I think he's got a great nose for the game. And I think he, he you know, I think hopefully he gets bigger and stronger again. One more good summer. I think he, he can be, a, you know, a key part. You know, I think he's a centerman. So I think if he can play center for, you know, 80 games, I think that'll, that'll help the Bruins up the middle. Because uh, let's face it, I mean, you look at Tampa Bay up the middle, they were the strongest team. So, and I think they have to look into that fourth line. They, you know, you look at what Lou did, Lou Lamarillo did the year before he went out and got Coleman and, and I mean, not Coleman, he went out and made the acquisition for the two kids from New Jersey. And those two kids were, were pivotal pot, uh, Palmieri and who am I thinking of? Uh, you got the kid from Ottawa the year before, and then they got Palmieri. So, I mean, the Lou made those two or three changes, which made a huge difference to that team. So, it's possible. It's possible, but you're going to have to give something up to get. What are the Bruins going to do, you think, with the goaltending situation? Interesting, right? I mean, I, I don't know. I mean, Rask is saying he wants to come back. Um, obviously, uh, if, if the Swayman kid takes the role, I don't think he's going to be able to play, a, you know, a, a huge – you know, 55 game season. So they're going to need somebody else if grass doesn't come back. So they'd probably pick up. I think that I don't think Halak will be back. So I think that they'll try to find a veteran that fits, you know, to play, you know, 15, 18 games, 20 games. And so do you see any uh, 
fireworks that are going to happen uh, with the expansion draft. I know that, you know, we start to look at Tampa and they, they're going to have guys unprotected that go from Gord to McDonough. Um, do you think that there's going to be any big, big uh, trades being made with Seattle Kraken? Or do you think that all the GMs have kind of learned their lesson from the Vegas disaster and they're kind of keeping their distance with trying to make deals with Seattle? Um, I think every team's different, right? I mean, you, you, if you're Tampa, you, you're going to, if you're going to lose Gordy, that's a huge loss, huge loss. So, I mean, every, every team is different. Every team might be able to afford to lose a guy, but in Tampa's case, you know, you're not going to replace that, you know, Gord situation as a fourth line, third line center, you know? So it's, I think there's going to be a lot of, there is going to be a lot of, you know, trades going on. I think there's going to be a lot of, it's only natural that things are going to happen because you've got an expansion team coming in. Dave, uh, what do you, what, what thoughts, or should I say, we should just at least acknowledge Pat Maroon. So three Stanley cups in three years. Yeah, uh, just, I mean, just unbelievable. Right. I mean, obviously he, I'm sure he's a great leader. Um, you know, but again, you, you, you know, sometimes you you put your butt in the right seat and good things happen. So, you know, I'm sure he's grateful for the the three that he's won. Um, but just an unbelievable feat. I think it's it's only happened once before, I believe. And it's just hard to believe that it happened again. And I'm sure that, uh, like I said, I'm sure he's he's grateful for the experience that he's had the last three years. And Dave, do you think other teams are going to start to look at more players like Maroon, like a Martin Sezikis, players, bigger guys that are maybe a little bit more physical. And I'm not talking about fighting per se, but obviously, you know, the game is starting to change, you know, smaller players, more faster. But I mean, obviously, like we were talking about earlier, Washington, Tampa, even Pittsburgh, I mean, all big teams that, you know, have the longevity of surviving the playoffs. Do you think teams are going to just start loading up on bigger guys and start having more significant fourth lines, third lines? Well, you, you want to get puck possession lines, right? I mean, that's what the Zizekas line does. I mean, they're, you know, they're called in, I'm sure, and they're told don't worry about scoring. I mean, even though they did score a lot and they chipped in a lot, which propelled the Islanders each round. But, um, I mean, you, you know, you have to have the foresight to get the right guys too. I mean, you can have the biggest, strongest guy and, and you know, him not – fit in on that team, him not fit in in that locker room. And you, you look at the teams in the Islanders. I mean, that's a close knit group for the Islanders. They've been there for years. So, I mean, you, it doesn't come overnight, Andrew, it, it comes, you know, building from a base up and, you know, you have to have a Stamkos and a Kucherov and a point to be able to have a third and fourth line that doesn't need to score. And I, I think that's, it's a hard question to answer, Andrew, because I think it's such a team game and you need 20 guys and you need a headman and you need, you know, the goaltender. It's so hard to win the Stanley cup and for Tampa to be able to do it back to back years just shows you how good they are. And like I said before, I think Kucherov when he's on his game, you know, is the best player or one of the top three players in the NHL. And, you know, for him to be hurt and for them to still win that series, 
is a great attribute to, to their depth. Absolutely. Dave, what do you think? Um, I, I do want to kind of, even though we're a, a Bruins podcast, but we're really not. I mean, you know that. Um, yeah. I do want to give a little bit of love. I was happy for the Islanders because they were able, their last game that they played in the uh, Nassau uh, Coliseum was a great game. They won. That crowd was lit. And I think it was fitting for, you know, they're going to that new building. Uh, but to finish out that season with a win in the, uh, you know, almost going to the Stanley Cup, uh, I'm really happy for the Islanders fans. Yeah, I mean, they're a great, passionate fan base. I, like, and like I've said on prior podcasts, there was no louder rink that I've ever played in than at the University of Maine. And... I think obviously I've been to the Nassau Coliseum and it was very similar where it was an old building and the seats were right on top of the, on top of the rink. There wasn't a lot of room. So the noise factor was huge and, you know, it made such a huge difference to that team at home. They were, they were tough to beat in that building. And, and that was one of the reasons why the, the fans were so passionate, so loud. And they were, you know, like a, having a six player on the ice. And so Dave, I did, I, I know we're kind of jumping around here with, with the questions, but um, one of the things I did want to ask you was obviously the news that came out of um, St. Louis of Tarasenko um, wanting to leave uh, the team because of how their sh his shoulder surgery went. And you see, that was also another reason why Jack Eichel is now wanting to leave Buffalo, maybe because of other reasons, but he stated a lot of his because how his neck injury was being dealt with is, you know, I didn't really realize, obviously, I'm not a professional athlete or anything, but I didn't really realize that the team had that much say and power over the player. And uh, do you see that? I mean, that caused a lot of friction back when you played professional hockey of how surgeries and things were dealt with, or was it just kind of like you, you listened to the doctors and, and you did what you had to do? Yeah, and obviously in my era, it's a whole different ball game. I mean, you know, the same thing with concussions. I mean, you were dinged up and, you know, it was a ding and you were back out there the next shift sometimes. Um, you know, now they have the concussion protocol. So, you know, it's a, it's a and, and now it's a, you know, you got these players that these contracts are worth millions and millions of dollars. So it's a whole different game than when we played. Uh, you know, guys, guys were making five or $600,000 a year, not five or $6 million a year. Um, so it's, you know, obviously that has a lot to do with how these players are treated and, and, and the players have a lot more to say about it now too. So I'm not surprised. Um, but I think every organization is different too. Dave, do you see the players, uh, changing the way that after whistle scrums are being done. I, I, I got to say, as a fan, I'm disappointed that every time the goalie covers a puck, everybody's face washing, everybody's doing cheap shots. And it's almost to the point of, you know, I'm getting frustrated sitting on the couch. I could imagine, I mean, back in your day, that wouldn't have happened. It's someone, you know, shoves a glove in your face you're going to go toe to toe and you know, that stuff isn't going to be tolerated. What is it like for you to watch that uh, based on, you know, what you had to play back in the day? 
Yeah, well, first of all, it's, it's the playoffs. So that stuff is tolerated in the playoffs because you're not going to they, – they know they're not going to drop their gloves. They know that Weber is not going to – you don't want Weber off the ice for five minutes. You don't want Hedman off the ice for five minutes. You don't want Point off the ice for five minutes. So, you know, it's kind of just like, you know – one of those written rules is in the playoffs. You, you you go in front of the net and you make someone make sure they, they don't want to go back there again. And I, I know it was kind of annoying for me to watch every time someone skated by, there was a whistle and then you had the face washing going on. And, you know, so it is, it is, I agree with you. It is kind of annoying and, you know, just, you know, play, play to the whistles and the whistles done. And then just, you know, you know, go to the face off and drop the puck. Well, I, but I, I, in that, in my same statement, I do want to make the, the comment again. We talked about, well, you talked about Hedman. And Hedman is, seems to be so disciplined. He might be one of the most disciplined players that I've seen, um, you know, on TV. He does not take the cheap shots. He does not take stupid penalties. And, it, and he can certainly throw down with the best of them, but he's just so disciplined. Well, yeah. And number one is he knows, you know, his team, he knows that he can't afford to, to, you know, he kills penalties, power play. So obviously he, he can't afford to be in the penalty box and he is a huge guy. So I don't think there's, there's many guys that are going to go, you know, go out there and try to run him and, and intimidate him. So that's probably not going to happen, but yes, I mean, he's a disciplined player. I mean, there's nothing, there's no attribute. No, I can say about Hedman that hasn't been said before. He's just a tremendous athlete. And, um, you know, he just, he's right now, you know, again, it just seemed like it, when you, when you're mentioning how to build a team, it, it seems like Tampa has every single attribute you would want on that lineup. Yes. Yeah. And so I know that it's obviously early. I mean, we're just now heading into the new off season. The expansion draft is yet to come. And I know that, uh, we've been talking a lot about Tampa and they've got a lot of decisions to make because they're well over the cap, uh, regardless of the LTIR space that they're using. But um, do you still think even if Tampa has to move a couple of pieces like a Gord, Johnson, a McDonough, do you still think, I mean, Tampa's probably got the best odds of winning the cup again, if they're able just to keep a lot of those core pieces intact, or do you think uh, Colorado avalanche or another team is going to get their chance? Or do you think it's up in the air? I think it's up in the air. If you take those three players away from Tamper, I think it really hurts them. Um, but again, you don't know who Tampa has. I don't know who Tampa has in the minors. Um, so, I mean, you could have one guy come up and fill in for that, you know, fill in for someone like a Gord and, and do a nice job. But again, it seems like Tampa drafts really well. And, you know, that's, those are three spots. That, but I, I think it's hard to, hard to say if, if Tampa loses three of those guys that, that they're going to come back and win the cup again next year. I think it opens up the, the effort. And I think anything can happen. And, you know, I think it's, you know, for Tampa to come back again next year, you know, they might go off at an eight to two favorite or tonight, 10 to one or 12 to one, but I'm not betting them to win again because there's just too many things that go along with it. I mean, number one being injuries, you know, Hedman goes down, Vasilevsky goes down, and, you know, they're not winning the cup. 
So Dave, what are, what are the, uh, just to kind of wrap up here and, and uh, we'll, we'll let you go. We're a little over time, but um, what are some of the things that the players do during the off seasons to train, uh, especially to stay sharp, but also the young kids to get better? I mean, it's, you know, it's more than lifting weights and doing drills. What are they doing to get better? Well, from, from what I see and what I gather now, I think they all have personal trainers. So they're all working out. They're all going through their regiments. And I think every person handles it differently, but in, in the same token, you don't want to get, you just went through 82 games or whatever they went through COVID wise. So they all have their regiment. They all go through their workouts and they probably like, you know, after that, they probably go play golf. They probably go fishing. They, you know, there's a lot of stuff that they probably do to enjoy themselves too with their families. So, um, you, you know, I think there's a, there's a correlation of, of a happy medium with all these guys, but I, they all have, they all have personal trainers that they might, you know, for the next couple months until that, you know, three or four weeks come before camp, you know, they probably, you know, in my day, you didn't really see the ice. You just kind of worked out. I mean, we didn't have personal trainers and everything I had, you know, my street that I rollerbladed up a thousand times that was like, you know, <laughs> an incline. So, you know, we didn't, you know, we didn't have that type of, um, you know, no one did it. No one did it back then. And, you know, I wish, you know, I wish I would have did it. I wish I had the opportunity to have what they had today, but, you know, unfortunately I didn't, but, you know, it's just a different, it's a different animal today than it was years ago. And, these kids are all, like I said, they all have personal trainers. You, you know, I think Gary Roberts is a huge personal trainer for a lot of guys in Toronto. Uh, you know, Mike Boyle was huge here in, in, in Boston university. A lot of the, the guys used him locally here. So they, you know, I think that's the, um, that's kind of what they do. Well, Dave, we thank you once again for coming in here and uh, kind of explaining to us, uh, you know, a little bit about, the game and uh, from the uh, players perspective, we certainly uh, appreciate it and uh, learning quite a bit about the game through you as well. Yeah. Thank you, Dave, again. Well, th thanks for having me. And, um, you know, maybe next year, if I, you know, if I do say who we think we're going to win, maybe we can, because, because gambling is legal now. So yes, yes. Um, <laughs> we, we could make a wager on that and maybe, you know, buy a new car or something that we need. I don't know. Um, but, uh, but thanks for having me and, you know, anytime. And I, I, you know, hopefully the Bruins make some, some good um, off season deals and they hope they come on top of it. And obviously we really didn't get into the draft, but I mean, I think obviously, you know, you go back to the one draft, the Bruins didn't take Barzell. What would he, what would the Bruins look like if they took Barzell, you know, in that 13, 14, 15, three draft picks they've had, so one, one player can make a huge difference in, in, in a team in, in the future. Well, do you, do you think that, uh, you know, Sweeney might be under the gun since he's not made the, the best draft choices, including that Barzell one? Um, you know, what type of pressure is he under to make the right choice, even though you don't know if that's the right choice? It, it's tough. I mean, Jim, it's, let's face it. I mean, it seems like, some of these teams draft better, but when a kid's 18 years old, it's tough to predict how he's going to be at 21 years old. But, you know, obviously the first five or six picks of the draft, you kind of know, but let's go look, look at, look at, um, 
you know, line a and Matthews and like line a was supposed to be a can't miss 55 goal scorer, you know? So there's right. kids in that draft that have done better than line a that probably were drafted in the second round, you know? So it's, it's a tough science, but all in all, you, 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 you want to hit more than you miss. And that's, I think that's the key. And, and I don't know if Sweeney's under the gun, but I think that, um, you know, they're going to have a, you know, one more, one more push at this. And I think after that, I think you'll start to see some of those pieces, you know, might be traded or, you know, just go younger and rebuild. Yeah. Well, Dave, we'll say goodbye off um, air here. And, okay. uh, but again, officially, we just want to thank you again and we'll have you on again. You are our uh, resident NHL guru that in, in helps us out. We appreciate it. Yeah. Thank you, Dave. Uh, anytime. All right, Andrew, we want to thank everybody for joining us here in this special uh, episode. And it's always great to have Dave come on and we'll have um, Capiano come on a, a, again in the near future. And uh, he just brings a whole uh, professional aspect to the what we do. Yeah, absolutely. About. And uh, shout out to I know that when this episode will be um, officially released, it'll either be late tonight, which is Saturday night, or it'll most likely be available for everybody tomorrow on Sunday. So shout out to our guest that we'll have on Monday. Um, and the episode will be out later next week. Yes. And that is Jay Henderson. He played for um, the Boston Bruins back in the day for um, he had a stint with them and uh, it'll be a good one, man. We got some cool guests coming up that I won't announce yet. Um, but if you are listening to this episode, definitely keep, keep in touch with us so you can see what we're doing. Very good. Everybody take care and uh, we'll see you in episode. Next one is what? 30? 36. Yeah. So we're closing out episode 35. All right. All right take, take care. care Thank you.